Welcome to a new season of podcast brought to you exclusively by The Book Collector, the journal that no less an authority than the Times of London has hailed as indispensable. Today's podcast, read by the actor and bookman Neil Pearson, is an essay by John Somery Smith, published by ourselves in the spring of 2010, entitled A Knockout Novel by a Compulsive Idler. It concerns Va, a 1957 novel called Knock or Ring, the operation of the infamous ring system at country book auctions. A Knockout Novel by a Compulsive Idler When recently I was researching a run of country house auction catalogues from the period 1940 to 1970, the destruction of the Country House Library, the book collector, spring 2009, I was conscious of my near total ignorance of the way the auction ring worked, then or now. The only time I'd come up against an active ring had been in the early 1970s, and I failed to recognise it for what it was. A writer friend suggested that I might be amused during a family holiday to accompany him to a house sale in Beaminster, not far from Lyme Regis. He had a catalogue, and it looked as if some of the prices might be affordable. There was no time to do any viewing, so we appeared together ten minutes before the sale started. In this far corner of Dorset, I would have expected to see some local collectors, plus an occasional dealer, Mr Day from Dorchester, Beach from Salisbury, John Ruston from Bournemouth, perhaps someone from as far away as Exeter or Winchester. They may well have been there, but there were several more familiar faces, including Charles Traylon from Guildford. And to my considerable surprise, I almost tripped over Mr Linden of Craven Street off the Strand, who sent weekly clique quotations for books wanted by Haywood Hill and paid us regular visits with bags of what we ordered. Those who remember his ferret-like appearance would agree that Beaminster was not his natural habitat. Nor did he utter during the first hundred lots. The first two lots were records of old Herovian casualties in the First World War, handsomely printed but unwanted by anyone in the room. Shall I start the bidding at two pounds? Pause. One pound. Pause. Anyone give me ten shillings? Perhaps I'd better start with lot three. By the time he reached lot 95, in which there were two or three Trollope first editions, I had noticed that Mr Traylon was bidding on anything of any quality. He clearly did not expect opposition. Indeed, he knew he was right. I couldn't be too adventurous because I would have had a problem with both clearing and paying, not to speak of my likely reception when I showed them to my boss, Handy Buchanan. But there was a definite frisson that a bookseller, albeit a total innocent abroad, was taking the bidding higher than others wanted. Mr. Traylon was firm in putting me down. This all came back to me when I was recently lent a copy of a 1957 novel by Michael Nelson, Knock or Ring, published by Jonathan Cape complete with its John Verney dust wrapper. This was Nelson's first novel. On the wrapper, he was described as a journalist before the war, a theatre publicist on his demobilisation, 
and the past owner of a bookshop in the provinces selling both new and second-hand books. Later, he had sold the shop and returned to a freelance life in London. He occasionally appeared at Haywood Hill in my early days, a slightly raffish figure who knew the local pubs and betting shops into the bargain very much better than I did. He told me that his bookshop had been in Patchment Street, Winchester, which he calls Benminster in his novel, and he asked me if I had met his successors. I remembered the couple well, a brother and sister called Harrington, who may well have been twins. He had an extraordinarily ingratiating way of saying, Thank you very much indeed, easily imitated by bookish schoolboys. She tended to sit in the back, probably in charge of the paperwork. They only dealt in new books, their solitary city rivals, W. H. Smith. P. and G. Wells was ten minutes' walk away in College Street. I doubt that they lasted much longer than did Michael Nelson. Some of the amusement value of Knock or Ring comes from its author's cynical remarks about bookselling. The central character, Michael Ransom, must be based on the author himself, lazy, careless about any money that could be borrowed from the till, and exceedingly critical of the few local customers who expect to run accounts and fail to pay with any regularity. He congratulates another of the principal characters, an ex-army friend who has made a fortune in Canadian uranium, on not making one of the four stock comments when he comes to the bookshop for the first time. Number one, what a lot of books! Number two, have you really read all these books? Number three, how lucky you are to have a bookshop! Finally, most loathsome of all, do you mind if I browse? The friend smartly suggests that he should fill his window with fresh hay and put a sign above saying, Browsers welcome. Ransom's assistant, Miss York, feels completely at home in Benminster and is much more patient with tiresome non-customers like the dean's wife or her book-loving and demanding friend Mrs. Portman Smith. Miss York is the epitome of the post-war single lady. The trouble with the modern generation is that it equates everything with money. When I was a girl, we were contented if we could give service. Mrs. Portman Smith has similar lines, all too reminiscent of some Mayfair ladies in the 1960s. We had so hoped that when our party got back, things would be easier, but they're not. What can you expect with all these free false teeth and wigs? Outside Benminster is a moderately-sized country house called Etchingham Park. It has belonged to the Etchingham family for many generations, and the last baronet, Sir Jeremy, has just died, leaving the local estate agent and auctioneer to sell the contents. Both realise that the ambitious, successful local furniture dealer, Bert Riley, and his sister Rose, will be essential for any assessment of what is saleable. They take the pragmatic attitude that the trade will settle the whole business, the library included. The bookseller, Ransom, has seen a reference to the library containing the Keats family Bible, with likely mention of John Keats's parents' birth and death. He is anxious not to share this knowledge, and somehow to find the Bible before it is spotted by other dealers. Once outside, booksellers are given the chance to view. He spends a fruitless day going through a mass of dusty folios, only to be told by his friend, Macaulay, who by then has managed to buy the house itself by tender, that he has noticed a shady character hiding something in a trunk in the attic, where it was to be sold as virtually worthless furniture. 
Wimpy, the ignorant auctioneer, has catalogued the library in the most cursory way, dividing shelves into large miscellaneous lots. Lot 1, 25 various volumes. Lot 2, 30 volumes, various. And even Lot 45, contents of secretaire bookcase, approximately 120 volumes, various. Such approximations naturally suited the book trade, in fact almost invited the familiar process of settlement. At an earlier book sale, a London dealer is quoted saying, The trouble with the rooms today is the public knows too much. The public knows enough to bid against us. Auctioneers no longer catalogue books in sizeable lots of 100 or so, they're itemising them. Gives a chance for the public to buy a single book without having to pay for the other 99 they don't want. At the Etchingham Park sale, the auctioneer's 200 lots fetch no more than £500, all sold in a morning, quickly enough for Wimpy to have his three-course lunch. During the afternoon, the dealers have a much longer knockout that totals £8,000. Michael Nelson had attended such auctions and was quite candid about the dealer's realistic approach. If a local auctioneer was too lazy to give any proper details of what he was selling, they would take full advantage. After all, they had to make a living. All the dealers were involved with a single exception, a Mr Smutters, who is virtually mobbed when he dares to bid out of turn. Had I read Knock or Ring before my visit to Beaminster, I would have recognised what was happening. Whether I would have profited from the sale is extremely dubious, and I would have been less out of my depth when I sat on the ABA committee many years later. Knock or Ring was by no means Michael Nelson's only book. A year later, Cape published anonymously a novel he had written in the 40s, A Room in Chelsea Square. This might, according to his 1990 obituarist Alan Hall in The Independent, have made his name and even some money. But by the time it was reprinted as a gay modern classic 30 years later, the literary world of Horizon and its sensitive principal backer Peter Watson, on whom Patrick in the novel is based, would have seemed pretty old hat. By all accounts, Nelson, born in 1921 and universally known as Mickey, was very good company. He had served as John Lehman's secretary during the Second World War and then as a captain in the RASC, earned a living of sorts in Soho's drinking clubs and strip joints immediately afterwards, and then bought the bookshop in Winchester, when he married Rachel Holland, described as a high flyer in business and a literary figure herself. After a spell in television, he was lured away by a group of bookmakers who felt threatened by a tote monopoly. Nelson supported their case by distributing largesse in every direction, which guaranteed him a wide circle of friends but cannot have helped his career as a writer. Bruce Bernard, adding to Hall's independent obituary, characterises Nelson as a compulsive worker and idler. Seeing him enter the French pub, one could not be sure of the source of his always adequate means, as the writer of Nelson's column in the evening news, serious interviewer on a god spot, janitor in a small Sussex factory, cooking, which he learned quite late in life, or as an ageing film extra who was very pleased to earn over the rate for appearing almost in flagrante on the edge of the Cliveden swimming school in the film Scandal. Nelson was the author of one other novel for Cape, When the Bed Broke, 
1961. Another published by Quartet the year before his death, Fear No More, 1989, and a fifth, pseudonymously as Henry Stratton for MacDonald, Blanket, 1959. The three war memoirs that featured Captain Blossom appeared in the 1970s, but his original publisher, Leo Cooper, only did the first two, and the third was virtually lost under another imprint. Perhaps if Nelson had been sent to Charterhouse and not Bryanston, he might have played a prominent role in Simon Raven's Arms for Oblivion. Alternatively, he could have been recruited by a beady editor to write a weekly column similar to Low Life by Bruce Bernard's brother, Geoffrey. That was Neil Pearson reading John Somerys Smith's A Knockout Novel by a Compulsive Idler brought to your comfortable chair by The Book Collector. If you enjoyed this Book Collector podcast, you can find many more on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or via our website. You can subscribe to our journal at thebookcollector.co.uk for as little as £6 per month and get access to our complete digital archive. Visit thebookcollector.co.uk today.